0: Hi, I'm MK Lot and this is Quarantine Campfire. So, let's uh let's start with some controversy, huh? Cuz everything starts with controversy nowadays. If you have a color's blue, you're going to get canceled. <laughs> Anyways, um I don't like the notebook. I'll just start with that. I watched it for the first time with my mom and my sister uh, over the summer and the whole time I was just making jokes, laughing. So, I don't know. I I I didn't hate it. You know, there actually were some parts that I really, really liked. Like all the retirement home scenes I thought were really, really touching. But yeah, for the most part, I just had to keep distracting myself as I was watching it. And so I, I couldn't figure out why, though. That was the problem. I couldn't figure out why I didn't like this movie. So I didn't think too much of it. Shrugged it off. And for anybody who knows me, uh, knows that I love watching video essays, which are just people online, usually YouTube, uh, breaking down and talking about movies that they love. So it's, it's been a really, a really nice learning experience. You know, it's almost kind of like, why go to film school? We can just do that. And so one of the people that I've been watching recently, um, have a channel called cinema therapy and it's where these two lifelong friends one became a filmmaker and the other one became a family and a marriage and family counselor. Um, they sit down every week and they watch some of their favorite movies and they'll talk about it from a cinematic and from a psychological standpoint. So there's a little bit more that they add in there. Um, like this whole month since it's December uh, they've done Christmas movies. So they talked about uh couple's reconciliation and die hard They've talked about, um, the role of a supportive husband in the nativity story. Um, they've talked about the psychology behind the Grinch. Like it's, it's all very, very, really, really fascinating stuff. And so one day I was having, I was having it play like kind of in the background, um, at work and my boss was walking by and she noticed, uh, the video I was watching, which was, um, (laughs) they were talking about how elf uh portrays and breaks down ADHD which was a, a really really fun fun uh movie or fun video and my boss was like oh they should do one about uh, about Christmas story because I guess she was watching it and she didn't realize like how messed up the dad was in that movie and I looked back at it and I was like oh you know what he actually was kind of messed up because I kept thinking about the scene where Ralphie accidentally drops the F-bomb and he tells the audience like a few minutes later that he heard that from his dad. And so instead of his dad disciplining him, he passes it over to the mom, probably because one Ralphie's dad thinks that's what a mom has to do in that society. She has to maintain order in the household and two, he probably doesn't want to admit the fact that he's the one that told Ralphie this word or like introduced Ralphie to this word. And then I started thinking about why I didn't like The Notebook. And I started realizing it's because I didn't like how unhealthy Ryan Gosling's behavior was in that movie. Like that, that alone kind of solidified it. And it, it actually ruined the entire thing for me, because if you think about it, like the first, the first time they meet it, you know, Ryan Gosling gets a love at first sight moment, uh, situation. She goes, up, he goes up to Rachel McAdams as she's in the middle of another date, hangs off a Ferris wheel and says that he'll only climb down when she agrees to go out with him. Which there are, there are so many problems with that. You know, and some people may think, like, you know what, that's super romantic. Like, he's willing to do, you know, whatever it takes to to be with this person. No, that's that's not what happened. What happened was he threatened to kill himself if he if she didn't go out with him. That's what happened. In fact, my favorite part of the whole movie is when she pants him immediately afterwards. Um, but there's that. There's, you know, lying down on an open road and convincing Rachel McAdams to do the same thing. When he comes back from think he was in World War Two after he comes back from World War Two. So he's probably got trauma out of the butt. He buys the house that they almost hooked up in, just waited for her, and then finds a friend with benefits, because he can't get the sexual gratification from Rachel McAdams. Like that's, that that to me is so problematic. And, and so I, started thinking about that. And I I thought, why do I have a problem with the way Ryan Gosling acts in the notebook, but I don't have a problem with Ralphie's dad in a Christmas story, right? Because arguably Ralphie's dad does way more damage than Ryan Gosling because Ralphie's dad is influencing a child. Like, you know, the one heartfelt thing he does is he gets Ralphie the red rider BB gun. But he doesn't teach the kid how to shoot it. You know, all that could have been avoided if he were to do something as simple as, hey, don't put metal behind the target. You know, he could have done all these things. But he didn't. And yet I still love A Christmas Story, but I don't like The Notebook. And so I tried to figure out, I kept trying to figure out why I didn't like it, why I had such a problem with it. And I think it's because I'm more worried that Ryan Gosling's character is. can be. can influence more suggestible people than Ralphie's dad, you know? Because I feel like, as, you know, since he's a father figure, number one, we don't get to choose our dads. So that's kind of cut and dry. And number two, it's from the perspective of a kid. And so we don't like. We don't really have that connection, you know, and if we do see that connection, we can just say, well, I'm not going to be that kind of dad or my dad's not like that. So I don't have to worry. Right. It's ultimately out of our control. I'm just concerned with, uh, with the notebook that there are going to be some people and I bet you there have been. I just, you know, I haven't found the research on it, but I've just I've got a hunch there are people who have seen the notebook and think that that's how a guy should act in a relationship. You know, that they have to fling themselves out there and risk potentially their own safety for someone that they're attracted to or someone that they're really interested in. Which is a really, really big problem. Because... I feel like that hits more people or that can be subliminally subjective to more people than a a neglective father, you know, uh, or neglectful father, I should say. And it kind of worries me because if a, if a guy who is suggestible watches that and thinks that that's how a relationship should be, he's probably going to stop his, his growth and his development as a proper man. Like, yes, Ryan Gosling basically fixes that house, he's very handy, you know, and he does a lot of manly stuff, but he doesn't emotionally take care of himself, which as a result, wears him down. And I also get worried from a girl who watches that, knowing that there are guys who will be suggestible with that, because now they can think either that's how a relationship has to be. So I have to encourage it. Or they use it in some of their gaslighting techniques, right? And I know that is a bit of a stretch, and, you know, I am going to get some flack for that. But I think what I'm getting at here is I, I don't think we need to be careful of what we watch more than we need to be careful of how we interpret the things that we watch, you know? Like, I... I caught that. I caught on to that, or I got that feeling when I watched The Notebook. I didn't get that feeling when I watched A Christmas Story, and you know, I, I don't feel like it's it's changed the way I've perceived myself as a father because I'm not a father, you know. Um, but I'm also at an age where I, I can I can date, you know, and that's probably going to stick with me if uh, for as long as I'm single, you know. So I have to be careful about how I interpret certain stories like The Notebook. And, you know, we can't, like, not all of us can catch this immediately while we're watching it. I didn't catch it immediately when I was watching The Notebook. And I know for a fact that when I was a teenager, um, I didn't catch on to that when I was watching movies of that time. Like, I remember being a freshman, all of my friends were seniors. Like, all the people who befriended me, were in their final grade of high school, which was kind of a big deal for me because in middle school, I didn't have that many friends. You know, I was one of the constantly bullied ones. And so it really felt unfair for me to just make new friends and then have all of them leave. So for anybody who's seen it, you can only imagine how impactful uh, the perks of being a wallflower was to me because the main character, Logan, was a freshman whom all of his friends were seniors. And so I didn't realize that I made this connection of Logan and I are feeling the same way. Therefore, what he does should influence what I do. And if you've seen that movie, you'll know that is horrible logic. Horrible logic. Because number one, what he does is not the smartest thing because I'm, I'm not going to spoil it here. And number two, he's 14. He doesn't know anything yet. <laughs> so why should I lean off of that? Now you can make the argument. I mean, a philosopher could make the argument because I just recently um, did research on this, but you can claim that Logan's an artifact. So, there's this school of thought in philosophy called artifactualism. And it's usually in the argument of whether or not fictional characters exist. But the 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 argument states that art, uh, fictional characters are real because they're artifacts of someone's mind or they're creations of someone's mind. It's also why um, artifactualism is also called creationism. So I can make the argument of I can rely on Logan because even though Logan is a 14-year-old male he's actually an artifact of a significantly older person's mind I don't I don't think that that's a very valid argument for why you should act or or act like a character, like you can relate to a character as much as you want. That's the purpose of a good story, but you shouldn't, but you shouldn't assume that their choices are the right choices. If that makes sense, but that's not, that's not entirely bad. You know, there are plenty of characters that go on the opposite positive side of that spectrum. You know, there are, Characters whom their choices have made my life more positive. And I think the most prime example of that is the secret life of Walter Mitty. I could relate to, I think aside from Logan, Walter Mitty is the only character that I've really connected with um, in any story really. And so I see that and I'm like, okay, he's a mall daydreamer. Like I am. So what does he do? Like, what are the steps that he takes? And so because of that, It's inspired me to travel around the world and to be more present and to like observe the world around me. And I feel like I'm better because of that mentality, you know, um, Les Miserables is another good example. That's actually my favorite story of all time because it's an example of someone who made a mistake was unfairly punished because of it and then changed his life around. And so I don't have to follow his choices to a T. You know, I'm probably not going to go back to an organized religion, let alone Christianity. But it taught me the value of charity and the value of generosity and learning how to give people the chances that they deserve. So that's so, so that's something that you really need to keep in mind. And a lot of times we don't have to worry about it because our parents will do that for us. You know, and it it's actually, I think it's why um my grandma, <laughs> oddly enough, didn't like The Simpsons when it first came out. Because I remember asking her why when I was a kid. I mean, the the answer that I remember getting was she didn't like the fact that the dad was an idiot. Like she, I don't think she said Homer. I think she just said the dad. And so I was like, Oh, I don't, I I don't get that. Cause Patrick in SpongeBob is an idiot, but we watch that every day, you know? (laughs) And then fast forwarding to being a teenager. um, So in, in the Mormon church, a little context in the Mormon church, there's a position called the stake president and a stake president is the guy who's in charge of everybody in the churches of a certain district. <clears throat> and so, um, a lot of times, and this is actually one of the, uh, one of the things that I really, really liked about the stake president was he always went to the youth activities and he was always a mentor for the youth, which was, which is so important, uh, for the, uh, for the high school age, especially But he said he banned, he didn't dislike, he didn't frown upon, he banned the Bernstein Bears from his house. And it's because he didn't want his kids to think that the role of a father should be the bumbling idiot. Right? Because if you watch that, he's like, or if you watch or read any of the Berenstain bears books, I personally have not, I quite frankly, I thought they were creepy. Like I don't, I don't understand. Like why, why would a bear's feet look like that? They don't, they're not bears. They're monsters. But if you, I guess if you watch it, it's like, it's like watching Buster Keaton in color. Like he's just all over the place. He's fumbling. He's just, he's crazy. And the family laughs, which means that they that for the audience, that's a sign of encouragement. If the characters laugh, then initially the audience thinks that it's okay because there's no tension. Right? If the characters are okay in the world that the story takes place, then the audience is okay because now we're interpreting it as we're in a we're in a friendly zone. But the stake president banned anything related to Bernstein bears, not because, well, not just because the father was a bumbling idiot, but because he didn't want his kids to think that's how a father should act. And now I realized that's actually, I think that's why my grandma didn't like the Simpsons because she didn't want her kids. She did not want the family environment to think that the way Homer acts is the way a man should act for a family. Now, you can also make the smart ass argument of, well, if she didn't like The Simpsons, why did she, you know, allow Christmas Story? Honestly, I think it's because number one, Ralphie's father is a product of the times. You know, we can kind of disconnect ourselves from it because we know for a fact that it takes place in 1950s America. But at the same time, The story, the the Christmas story is not about Ralphie's dad. It's about, it's about Christmas from the eyes of a kid. So we're not going to prioritize Ralphie's dad, right? The notebook is about a romance that is immune to all obstacles, The problem with that is I feel like people assume that that means you can commit or attempt self-harm or you can stop moving on or developing because if it's true romance that goes above leaps and bounds – you won't have to worry because it's true romance, which I don't agree with at all. I believe that you need to have a firm foundation in yourself before you start that relationship. And even though The Notebook teaches people that that love can be a truly powerful thing if it's right, um... I don't think it teaches. I don't think it teaches the audience how strong the individual needs to be before they're in that relationship. I, in fact, I think it backtracks in that aspect, which is why I get kind of nervous with that movie. So, basically, moral of this episode: um, it's not about what you watch; it's about how you interpret what you watch, and just keep a Keep a mindful eye with that. But yeah, that's my 20 minutes. Thank you all for listening. Um, also, <clears throat> sorry. Blech. I really appreciate you guys listening to last week's episode. I was all over the place. I I think I was actually about to go out of town, like the same time I was making the episode. Um, I just, yeah, again, I woke up in a, this really, really weird rut. Um, finals week is over, so that was probably the cure. <laughs> um, but I just told myself I would very much rather be at 10% and publish something than not publish anything at all because I didn't feel like it. And so not only did I get a lot of good traction, but I also um, I look at the analytics a lot um, just to see you know, how the podcast is doing and if it's actually being helpful for you guys. And uh, not only was that really helpful, but I think after this episode, um, we will have, or these next two weeks, this two-week increment will break the record for most plays in the history of the podcast. So thank you guys so much i will try my best to come up with a proper thank you for everyone um so stick around for that and yeah i just i'm always grateful and appreciative of you guys all the time so with that being said i hope you all have a lovely week and a wonderful merry christmas or kwanzaa or hanukkah or whatever you whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays, everyone. And stay safe, stay healthy.